third down and 20. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Third and 20 Dynasty Podcast, Season 2, Episode 14. We got the usual crew of Frank, Jake, Lunas, and myself. Um, obviously, not as big of a news drama as last week. I mean, we yeah. still have some news, like just random tidbits here and there that I don't even think are relevant to touching on, like Aaron Rodgers and his whole COVID thing. I think that'll be blown over by the time we're, you're listening to us next week. Um but we got the guys with us, and I'm just going to jump right into it. The biggest news is Odell out from Cleveland, basically forced his way out. Um, Cleveland's like, hey, we don't want you anymore. <laughs> like, we want people that want to win on our team. We don't want divas. Odell's like, perfect. Get me out of here. Uh, he just cleared waivers as we're recording this. I mean, maybe by the time you're listening to this, he's on someone's team. Currently, we see the top few teams as Green Bay. Kansas City, the Patriots. I think there was one other team mentioned that I might be glossing. Seattle, Saints. Seattle, and the Saints. And, yeah, yeah, those two. Those those appear to be the top five teams. Um, you know, I, I'm always kind of wary about doing the speculation over where he adds up, ends up. But let's just take a room poll. Where do you guys think OBJ ends up? Chiefs were in there too. Just saying. I said. Um, oh, you did. Okay. My I bad. think. I think. Uh, I think he ends up in New England. I uh, know he's o- he's always loved Belichick and Brady too, but I know the Patriots are rumored they need a number one receiver. I think it makes a ton of sense. They're back in the playoff race. They're like half a game out of first place in the AFC East, which is kind of crazy. Um, Wait, I owned the a- war just got kicked down. <laughs> I dropped my phone. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, if I owned Odell, I'd be happy with any of those except for the Saints. I'd just be rooting for anyone but the Saints. If I owned Odell. I, if you're Odell, I don't. I guess you have connections to LSU. But I don't know why you'd want to go to the Saints. Yeah, no. no I, I really would rather be. I, yeah, I agree. I, if I'm him, I'm going to a team that has one of those top quarterbacks, a quarterback that's like going to take him under the quarterback's wing, right? You know, that the quarterback's going to do not. He's going to have to develop with a young quarterback, right? If I'm Odell, that's the last thing I want to do. So. To me, it's like, dude, if Kansas City or Green Bay or – I think Kansas City, I might be a little bit wary because I feel like a lot of players have been going there, but they, they're they just kind of like, yeah, we'll have you just because. And then, the, you know, it's the same story. Like, okay, Tyreek Hill and, and Kelsey get all the all the catches and all the real opportunities. Um, well, personally, I, I think he ends up in Seattle, but yeah, I kind of just want to jump – yeah, I just want to jump into the next point, though. What happens to OBJ when he ends up on one of these teams? Because you kind of just alluded to it there, Frank. Like, I think the hype towards OBJ is going to go through the roof. Whatever team, other than maybe the Saints, like Lunas mentioned, whatever team he ends up on, I think we're going to see a, a huge increase on OBJ hype. And I don't necessarily think that's warranted just because of the reason that Frank said, where it's like the Kansas City Chiefs will take anyone, but – Will he actually be productive in the offense? I don't know. Well, let so me ask it, you this, JT. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have Odell in a handful of leagues. Um, do you think that that is the time and the window that you should sell in when he let's let's just assume he goes to one of these teams with a, a sick quarterback, a really great offense, right? Is that the opportunity to sell? If I mean, what is what is even well, his price going to be? I was going to it, say it's got to be a little bit more yeah. selling for like a good second. I, I think the issue that if you're going to do yourself, you know, a, a favor, 
I think you wait for him to be to be announced to whatever team, and you gotta hope that it is one of the Seahawks or Packers or or I don't know, maybe the Chiefs, who knows? But you gotta hope it's one of those teams. And then you package him with something to move into a better, younger prospect. Like what would be the draft pick I, for you that gets it done? Yeah, I know that's a more I, ideal trade to do. Just in a one-for-one? One, like a yeah, OBJ like if someone's like, well, yeah. I mean, personally, I, I sold in the third and 20 league prior to all this hype going down because I, I didn't even want to see where he ended up was OBJ for Shepard in a third. And that's because I think rest of careers, I, I think the Shepard and OBJ arc is actually very similar. And the third that closes the gap for me, I, I think it was pretty easy to just not have to worry about OBJ. I mean, I'm kind of a Shepard truther in that regard, I guess. Like, I just think Shepard's, like, a good player. Um, as far as straight-up draft pick, I mean, it's somewhere in the second. Um, two, if I had OBJ, I wouldn't be selling him for less than early second. But if I was going out to buy him, like, I wouldn't want to give up anywhere earlier than, like, 205, 206. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so I guess I'm not like selling the... his ass unless I'm getting a good second round pick, dude. I, I'll I, like, I don't ride think this you... OBJ train. I, I see mean, the thing is, I didn't get into OBJ when he was like a sick young player because I just never really was in love with him, and his price was always so high. The only time I bought him was this off season. So like, yeah, yeah, and then and then I dra- <laughs> well actually no, I draft him in a startup. At the beginning of last year, um, he was going super low in startups. Yeah, I dropped yeah. him in the third and Oh, and then we inherited him in our rebuild league. Okay, that's how I, I was like, dude, I'm pretty sure I have more than two shares of him. Um, yeah, if I own him, if I'm a contender, it would take a top three second for me to move him. But honestly, like if he goes to one of those teams, I'd rather just keep him. Like, I, if I again, if I'm a rebuilding team or a retooling team, it's different. Um, but if I'm a content, like I think he can put up good wide receiver, like higher end wide receiver well, two numbers if he well, falls well, on like. Dream let's Day. play it out. Let's play it out. Hands up in Seattle. How does that look? Who is Tyler Lockett losing a good chunkage of? Lockett's his? losing in that. I don't think anyone's losing. I think the offense becomes <laughs> really good. You trust Pete Carroll to do that? Like I don't necessarily trust Pete Carroll to throw the ball a whole lot. I dude, I I just think that if if Chris Carson comes back and Odell is added, um, I don't think Odell is going to come out the gates and be one of the top guys. But towards the very end of the season, he could be all right. I think that this the offense mm-hmm. that has been extremely inconsistent in Seattle, like all these receivers have been in. I mean, DK has. I guess it's just Lockett. It's been fucking inconsistent. Yeah. But, um. I, I just I don't see why it would be a downside to anyone. I just think like with the Bucks this year, you want any anyone that plays on the Bucks has been good. You know, like if you play fifty percent of snaps, you you've been really good. I want that. I want that kind of offense. You're you're making me do research, Frank. Okay, look at you do this. Um, because <laughs> I'm just looking at. To be completely honest, I think I'm just out on. Odell here. I mean, we've seen him. He's he kind of just causes a scene wherever he goes. He caused a scene in New York. That's what eventually got him traded to Cleveland. He goes to Cleveland. He does not get in the ball. It causes a scene. I mean, I don't. He's now 
I think he's what 28 now, 27 now. He's he's to that age where, you know, in dynasty people start to get wary. Um, I think if you're a contender, you're going to be you're probably just not going to sell him just because you're not going to get what you want, and you're going to hope he turns into something on a good offense like Green Bay, Kansas City, uh, all these teams that are rumored to be to be linked to him. But if you're if you're just a mediocre middle of the road team. Take your middle second round pick and, and say thank you very much. I don't want the drama and I'm done with you. Well, I Frank Frank was making me do research because I wanted to see. Now I don't know about your guys' opinions on how much better OBJ is than 2019 Josh Gordon. I mean I think we can all agree he's he's better. I just don't know how much better. But the Seahawks didn't really pass more at all with with Josh Gordon on the team and he only saw. Um, I also looked that up. He only saw 47 targets through 11 games. Now, four targets a game for OBJ isn't really a, a good positive. So we have to, you would have to hope if he ends up on that kind of team that he would see more than that because otherwise the price that you're buying at is definitely think, not worth it. I, dude, I, I don't like the Josh Gordon comparison though because I, I, I truly believe that Josh Gordon is like one of the more overrated receivers. Well, it's funny you should ask. I, I don't think OBJ is one of the more overrated receivers. I just think he was very good five years ago, four years ago. Um, you know, since he ended up on Cleveland, obviously not great things happened. But I think there's just too much you're banking on for him to get back into, like, a, you know, a mid-second worth value. I, I'm, I think opinion. it's like mid-second. It's all bullshit. I just – can I play him in my flex spot? That's all I'm really well, concerned okay, about. But, if I could play him my flex spot, like Cole Beasley's not worth a second, but he he puts up more points than half the people that are worth seconds. But all right, compare OBJ to like Antonio Brown. I I, th- I just think Antonio Brown's cheaper than OBJ, especially with his current foot injury, and I think he's going to give you a lot more production. Uh, I think I think OB uh, and well Antonio Brown. The only thing is he hasn't been playing. So I mean, and not that Odell, Odell is necessarily Odell, been playing. Odell is how many years younger than Antonio Brown? If you also Three. want to consider in that part, I, if um, I'm selling OBJ, I doubt that I'm going to get the early, like the super early second form. And like, how many contenders have that super early second? I'm looking for multiple picks. I, I want like a late second and shit on top. That's the only way I'm selling them. I'm not. I'm not doing like a one for one trade. I don't see myself like JT. I, I'd either package him or I trade him for a package of shit or something. I don't know. Uh, like a second and a bunch of random add-ons that I like. Let's move on, though. Antonio Brown, 33 years old. Beckham, 29. Last time to put up a top uh, 12 season. Antonio Brown, 2018. OBJ, 2016. So, give me Antonio Brown. I, I'm not, I, don't, I don't necessarily yeah. disagree with you. I think I'd rather have AB as well. I, that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying if, if you want to go out and you want to buy that kind of receiver, like you you want the wide receiver depth, which I don't necessarily think is even a good idea to do. But if, if you want to do that, I think you're better off spending it elsewhere than trying to buy on the OBJ hype, especially because I think there's going to be uh, across many leagues multiple teams that are going to go and try and get OBJ. So I, I just think I the other thing, too, last point, is that okay, comparing him to AB, I think a lot more people are be are willing to sell Odell, like especially contenders. Whereas a contender that's that has AB, I really don't think wants to get rid of him because they know when he's playing, he's going to be a beast. 
I think, yeah, no, that's fair. I, I think right now, before we move on, I'd, I'd buy at the mid-second price at a pretty good second. But, um, okay, uh, what's our what's our next topic now? After all, Moose, I want to talk about the Moose. Um, dude, what, what crazy performances recently. I, I just kind of added him here to the news and notes because we were – we were talking before the pod, like, oh, well, what's the value of the Muth now? All that. I've been seeing on Twitter that he he's been going above um what's his name? Noah Fant. And he's around this tight end six, seven, eight range on keep trade cut, or or that's where he's being priced around to to consensus. I don't really know. But do you think that that's warranted, or do you think that's just too much recency bias? Like, I mean, I really like the move. I, I I was big on him coming coming into the draft season and all throughout scouting him, and I thought the Steelers was a great landing spot for him um, after, right after the NFL draft. And I think he's a guy that's going to be on the field all all four or all three downs. He's gonna he can block, he can catch, he he really does it all from the tight end position. The only concern I have for uh, him is if there's enough targets to go around in that offense, you know, with Claypool and Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris out of the backfield. Um, we've seen him put up some big performances, but we talked about it right before the pod, is that he's only been getting about five or six targets a game. And obviously that's that might be all you need to, to be a productive tight end, but it makes you very touchdown dependent. And if you're going to go out and buy him at his current price, uh it's going to be hefty for only five or six targets a game. I'm I'm hard selling if I'm getting any first round pick for the Muth. I think right now, I, I doubt that first? that really happens. Yeah, I do. I mean, I mean, no people would give up Noah Fan for a first or a first for Noah Fan. I mean, I, I I would still buy Noah Fan for elite first if I could. Buy um, Muth, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd pay elite first. I I love I the Muth just as much as the me. next guy though. I do think that he's a fantastic player, but I think part of the reason why I like the Muth is that, like, for the long-ish halt, not the super long-term, but, like, okay, for the next two, three, four seasons, he's a good player to just hold, right? He's a good player to hold. That doesn't necessarily mean that I think he's going to be the best tight end in the league or a top-six guy, but he's a good player to hold. I'm not paying that, oh, he's a good player to hold, Valuation. I'm not shelling out first round picks for that. Fuck that. So yeah. I think right now he's he's more of a sell than he is a buy. But if you have him, I I'd test the waters, but probably hold. I agree on on Frymouth. I'd get rid of him uh, if you could for for that first. Even in early, if it's in a really early second, I'd do it. But let's move on to injury news. Um, I guess most prevalent right now is. Uh, Nick Chubb and Demetric Felton are both on the COVID list. It looks like their availability for Sunday's game is probably they're going to be out. It, it would be tough. They'd need two negative COVID tests before uh, in order to play. So it looks like we have another Dearness Johnson game um, in front of us, boys. What are our thoughts on that? Tough luck for the Chubb owner. Yeah, especially... <laughs> Especially after Chubb had like what was that his best game of the se- uh the season last week? That's our probably pretty Sunday. darn close if it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. Um. I mean, if I had uh, Cream Hunt's not back yet. Um. No. Correct? no. no. Yeah. I mean, He's if out. I had during 
he's eligible to come off IR, but it's looking unlikely at the moment. Probably not this week. If I, I mean, Dearness Johnson, Johnson would see a healthy amount even with Hunt. That's I think, what I'm saying. I, I'm playing him if I own him this week, or if I have him this week. Like if uh, you roster yeah. him, if I yeah, if I roster him or have him, uh, what would you pay I, I would, for him if you needed a running back really badly this week? Dearness Johnson. Um, is it worth it even to consider, or is that just a bait and a half? I just don't think you're gonna. I don't think I come to an agreement because whoever has him is gonna want probably a mid third, probably more. Can we coin this third, scenario? It's like the Cephas scenario where it's like it's a guy that we all know doesn't cost a lot, but it still costs too much because he's like for those a, guys usually end up dude. like like. People who we put in that category it usually ends up being the person who has a mask for a third. That's what usually ends up happening. Um, and it depends if you're going to... Because that's the thing, like, Kareem Hunt could come back next week. Um, they said Chubb is uh, Chubb's vaccinated, so he's going to be one of the sooner people to return off that COVID list. Uh, so he's definitely... he's. They said he's going to be back. Not Obviously, he's missing... Uh, he has a chance to miss this week's game, but he'd be back next week. I'm, I'm not buying him. But if I had him, I'd play him. Uh, Dearness Johnson. <laughs> I like the Cephas scenario. Um, throw that with the Joe Mixon paradox. We got ourselves a nice look. Well, he, here's the thing we need to differentiate, though, because I feel like the Cephas scenario is for, like, the long-term prospect kind of guys. I think Gabe mm-hmm. Davis might be close to that right now, where maybe someone yeah. paid a second for him or something. It's like, oh, well, no way. I'm getting rid of him for a late third or whatever, like a fourth, whatever he's worth. I keep trade cut. And then here we have the Dearness Johnson scenario, where it's, you just want a quick little plug and play, well, but you're not given a third for that. Well, that's that's what we've got with like um, the Geno Smiths and Trevor Simeons and Jacoby Brissett's, like all these guys. It's like in, in super flex leagues where quarterbacks are so valuable. It's like for two weeks of a starting quarterback, what are you willing to give up? It's a weird question for a contender. Mm-hmm. Like. I, I don't know if there's a right answer. I, I feel like almost every time it's just I, I not feel like worth people trading. in those scenarios, I feel like kind of the, at least for me, the most fair offer is a, is a lot of fab. Because it's like, okay, this is You're not going to get them for It's a lot completely of fab. contextual, though. It really is. Um, because you could, does the guy have any sort of pedigree? Because if it's a Gus Edwards, for example, let's say Dobbins went down. Gus Edwards, perfect. Is different. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Daryl Henderson, probably like okay, those kinds of players, completely different story. Or if it's a one week or two week injury versus you know an entire season, because like if if Russ was guaranteed out for the season, Geno Smith, if, if he's the starter the rest of the way, he's worth a third, probably like a late third, probably as a yeah. starting quarterback. But because we all knew Russ was going to come back eventually, why? Geno Smith, given a Gino third Smith is who I had in mind. Would like you offer a lot of fab. So it really, yeah, I think it really depends. You wouldn't on the get Geno Smith for offering a lot of fab. You need maybe to your entire like slew, but yeah, you, you need to give up like a fourth. Maybe maybe you get a fourth back and you give up a third. Like that's what you get for someone that is starting multiple weeks. All right, but well, another one week running back. We're getting into. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. is this even official? I, I'm pretty sure this no, is just kind of rumbling. No. But, but it sounds true, though. It sounds like it's true. I, I'm buying Rumble into this. <laughs> um, yeah, Alvin Kamara, um, the Saints 
tried out a, a few running backs, including Carryon Johnson. I forgot to see what the other they signed are. Brian Hill, I believe. Oh, Brian Hill signed to the Saints. Um, all right, seems like smoke where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, rumors have it Alvin Kamara got banged up in the game against the Falcons last week, so they're trying out all these different running backs. Basically, long way of saying, looks like we could be seeing Mark Ingram back running for the Saints in, in a starting role. Um, just another guy I feel like that is in that Dearness Johnson, uh, the Quintus Cephas scenario. Man, imagine if you held Ingram this whole time, <laughs> just this roller coaster. <laughs> see, see my, thing for that, my thing for that game, I think, I think kind of the what's going to end up happening is Taysom Hill's going to get a lot of touches. Like, I don't know if I'm <laughs> Taysom Hill running back. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> no, like I just think, yeah, I just think he's going to get a lot of touches. Like I don't, if I own Ingram, I don't know if I'd feel comfortable starting him. It's gonna Even be like it's gonna be like the Bugs Bunny cartoon where just he plays every single position on the baseball field. It's just gonna be Taysom yeah. Hill, the quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. Maybe throw him in a, an offensive line. Why not? Well, yeah, Jake, you were apparently end. trying to trade for Ingram, rumbling. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I was. So obviously, and... you must think that Ingram could be something for this week. I'm in a bind. I'm not going to lie. I have, you know, Joe Mixon on by. Kareem Hunt is still out. I, I need a running back this week, and I thought it would be a very easy buy low from a team, especially because the team that has Mark Ingram is a not contending team by any means. They are 2-7, and seven, and they – why would they be holding Mark Ingram? Well, so, I'm pretty sure that team is 3-6 and six with a good chance at the playoffs, but I digress. You're um, right. Their window is wide open for that team. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it would be a nice cheeky buy for a one-week fill-in. Uh, this was even before the the Kamara news and all the running backs that they worked what out. Were you I, still thought, I, I was looking to give up some of ideally a fourth and some fab, but I would have probably pushed it. I have a multiple third-round picks, so some of them later I would have given one of those. And the owner was more concerned about making someone else's Roster. pick worse. <laughs> all right, so. <laughs> That seems a little short-sighted, if you ask me. But yeah, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, you could say that. Sammy right. D's hurt. Yeah, Frank, you're kind of mean in the dock. <laughs> um, <laughs> turns out, yeah, Sam Darnold. Um, he he looked atrocious. Injured. Well, yeah, there's that. He injured his career. Lunitz might be on to something. Uh, they took X-rays and they said that he injured his scapula, whatever that is, something in your shoulder, but. It could be one of those things where it's like a yeah, it's like the the Panthers are really just trying to save face and be like, yeah, we know you suck, you know you suck, we're gonna sit you. We 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 need to save face. We need to convince the fans that we didn't just give up a second round pick for absolutely nothing. It was an injury. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna say you injured your scapula. Did you see those first three games when he was healthy? That was the problem all along. Yeah. See, I mean, come on, come on! You're you're gonna tell me that the the Panthers aren't gonna try and sell that? I I think they're smarter than we think they are. They weren't smart at the time, giving up a second for Sam Darnold, but now they've smartened up and are like, yeah, we can't let the fans know that we just threw away a second round pick. So we gotta save face. We're gonna throw in Philip Walker, and we're just gonna be like, yeah, we're waiting for Sam to get right. Is is uh, Sam Darnold like officially out out or is it another scenario where he's looking to be out and No, I think this said it? I think I got to look again but I think it said he can miss multiple weeks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the report has him missing multiple weeks, but I I kind of like JT's theory here. 
I think they just DJ Walker. They just say, so what like, about Walker? This is not worth it. I like what, what PJ Walker. Yeah, of course you like PJ Walker. The legend. Temple, Temple lad. I was going to say over under five seconds before he says Temple. Listen, <laughs> listen. He'll play better than Sam Donald did last week. I'll tell you that. All right. Or are you going out and purchasing? I, I'm pretty sure you have him already. I already have him. See, someone, I saw this coming from the start. I've been saying it for weeks. PJ <laughs> <laughs> Walker was going to take his job. So I took him while I could for zero fab. Listen, now with him being out, I mean, if, if you want a quarterback who's going to be playing, obviously, like, you don't expect a ton of numbers. But if you'd rather play in a quarterback who, what, maybe get you, like, 10 or 15 points in a week over, like, if your flexes aren't that strong, I'd drop fab on him. Because it looks like Donald now is going to be out. Did they say a time frame with how many weeks, or did they just say multiple Se- weeks? Several weeks. Several weeks? Okay, so maybe like a month. Yeah, so I'm looking at uh, P.J. Walker's stats, and it's really just the, the Detroit game that he played last year. He went 24 for 34. For, he's What's been that? there for a couple seasons at least, though. It's not like he's yeah. someone that was picked up yesterday. He had a stint in the XFL. Showed up back on the Panthers. He was a stud. Um, yeah, I, I think he's all right. I just, I mean, I'll take him over the other likes of Trevor Simeon and Jacoby Brissett and Gino's. whoever else. Uh, well, Gino's already. He put some uh, respect on Jacoby Brissett's name. He was an NFL I mean, starter for a season. Yeah, sh- sure. But I'm saying, like, Jacoby Brissett's probably, it's probably <laughs> this week for him, and then he's done again until Tua breaks another bone or, injury <laughs> or, or something. So, he'll be back in in three weeks yeah. so so for now i i take phil walker over those guys but like i'm not giving up anything significant to like again the the most i'd give is probably if i'm like in a real bind and for some reason i thought i was a contender with sam darnold and still think i am i guess i'd give up a late third like I'm not giving up anything more than that for any of these. Yeah, I'm. I probably wouldn't trade. But I mean, the the hope is for most leagues, if you do need one, is that he's on waivers, and then you you probably will have to drop a decent amount of fab to get him because there'll probably be a few oh, if, teams that put in. If fab. he's on, if he's on waivers, and you still have all your fab at this point, he's the one I'm dropping all the fab on. Yeah, yeah, I th- I think I'm keeping my third there. But well, I, I would drop. I, I would drop all my fab. Another waiver claim coming in here. Uh, Chase Edmonds going down. Eno Benjamin has seen light. I'm out on Eno Benjamin. I mean, I am too. I might throw in a claim, though, because if you get some carries or targets or whatever and puts up 10 points, maybe you could sell him for something. He had a touchdown run uh, Sunday, right? Was he the one who trucked that 149er? Did, did was that a different a running back? I have no idea. I no, know Connor was... had a whole bunch of them. Yeah, Connor had Connor three. Had three. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the main I beneficiary make sure, here. There, like, there was a running back who wasn't Connor, who had a really nice. Uh, I think it might have been. Yeah, Chase it Edmonds. was. It was him. Yeah, he had forty. Oh, he had thirty-nine yards on nine carries and a rushing touchdown. He had like one twenty-yard rushing touchdown where he just trucked a corner. Um, I mean, if he's gonna get ten carries, I will say like, about Eno that's interesting is that he has completely transformed his body from from college. Yeah, he was a small, scrawny dude at uh, at Arizona State that could not pass block to save his life because he just didn't have that that base to him. He was just getting trucked left, right, and center in college. Um, that was obviously going to happen in the NFL. He's bulked up a ton. He's probably put on a good 10, 15 pounds at least. 
and I, he's transformed his body. It could be interesting. Now, I generally speaking like it more so when a running back goes from up to down necessarily than down to up, but we have seen it before. Maybe. Eddie Lacy. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, it worked uh, for Ronald Jones for like one season, and then this year Leonard Fournette just took over, but you look better it's just when you the problem is, is that when you when you're asking someone to put on that much weight, it's usually you're asking them to be someone they're not. Um, whereas, like, if you're a bigger dude and you lose weight, it's like, okay, well, what if you just unlock some speed? Um, right. yeah, with, with him, one of those things I'd feel better about. Is, so I'm guessing is, is are you ever going to start him in the flex? Is the ultimate question for like the weeks Edmonds is out? I'd feel better about it when Kyler's in because like. I mean, the more points you think the Cardinals are going to score that weekend, the better you should feel about playing him. Uh, so if Cole McCoy's in, am I going to? Do I feel good enough to start him? In? Even though Cole McCoy didn't look bad last week, um, the 49ers are just a shit show. But if once Kyler's back and healthy, if you're really desperate, sure. But because you're just, what, why can't he do what what Chase Edmonds was doing? Unless they think that, like, I mean, Connor balled I, I out. Maybe they just give Connor more because I think Connor more carries gets more and workload. touches, regardless of whether Eno Benjamin or Chase Edmonds is in. Maybe Connor, because like Connor's the obvious beneficiary. We need to talk on him a little bit. Um, I was so so the thing with Edmonds that you brought up. I think I think last week may have been the most touches Connor's gotten, or at least one of the highest ones he's gotten this season. I think a big part of that was when Edmonds got hurt. They are going to use Eno, but. I don't think it's just automatically all of Edmonds' workload goes to Eno. I think part of that is Connor getting more touches also. So. Well, yeah, but I, my, I, what I'm saying is regardless of whether Eno Benjamin, Chase Edmonds, Rondell Moore, whoever the hell they want to put at running back that's not named Kyler Murray, like what if J- they, they just saw like, oh, James Connor's a beast. Let's just keep giving him the ball. Fuck these other dudes. I agree. Right, I think that's, that's what I think is uh, happening. That's oh. what I think is going to happen as well. I mean, I think – James Conner, we'll touch on him later, so I don't want to get too much into it. But I, I just think he's proven to be a, a bell cow in the NFL, and I think they were kind of like limiting him just because of the injury history. Um, didn't want to give him too much. So I think they're going to, st- with, with the injury, they're going to just say he's our best option here. With the injury, back. yeah. I think when Edmonds is back, though, Edmonds is going to be a factor. In the- Edmonds hasn't been well, bad this year. Jake's saying we'll touch on him later. Why don't we just touch on him now? Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm cracking up because he's literally like we have a dock of things that we follow, and he is quite literally what we were on. Thing. And Jake is like, okay, hold on, hold on. It's not my fault. I was looking. We had the Eno Benjamin thing, and then Connor listed right under him. I didn't realize that was the next thing we were doing. Yeah, I tried to set it up so there was like a little transition there, you know. Yeah. But, Frank, oh, Frank, yeah. Frank. Gives you the segue. He's like, here, we are about to move on. And Jake's like, oh, we'll get to it when we get to it. But <laughs> James Conner. <laughs> I just get roasted every week for no reason. It's fine. <laughs> it's, your, it's your profound. Uh, what's your, your, that no one... your take? You said we'll touch on it later. What's your take of James yeah. Conner now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hit on most of it anyway. Um... <laughs> this guy. Jake likes I mean, James Conner. I mean, I Connor's gonna be the bell cow in this offense now, regardless of who's playing quarter, uh, quarterback here. I think he's going to get the the majority, the heavy majority of the touches. And I think in this 
Cardinals offense has been scoring a lot of points. I mean, we saw him put up three touchdowns. I don't obviously he's not going to do that again. But even if he just gets 15 touches and puts up 85 yards, like that's a good day for a guy to put in a flex that you can buy for not a whole lot. And just to clarify, because I don't know if we stressed it enough, like we are now moving on to we're talking about running backs that you should go out and buy if you're a contender. And James yeah, Conner, so these guys are cheaper. The top of the list, um, James Conner. Jake said he should be a bell cow. I tend to agree with that. I don't necessarily mean, like, I don't think, like, in a previous word kind of thing, but, like, a modern-day NFL bell cow. Kind of like a – I see him, like, a little bit of Damian Harris, similar to something like a Damian Harris this year. That's kind of where I see the production. Yeah, and you guys are saying this for the next three to four weeks or for the rest of the season? That's the season. I just – I, I, I said it before. I'm, I'm, I'm with low. you guys for the next three to four weeks. I think it, well, I think when Edmonds gets back, they like using Chase Edmonds. And, and he's that, been he I'm has low on Edmonds. Like, I mean, if we're talking fantasy wise, with missing last week's game for the majority of it, he got like one touching guy already. Still RB twenty one on the year. Um, he'd been getting consistent touches and yardage each game. I think so I do agree with you guys for the next month, Connor's the uh bell cow, but I'm iffy about him specifically if this is a contender, that playoff stretch at the very end of the I, year when they're both going to be healthy. I just think when push comes to shove, though, we've seen it now the entire season. I don't know why it changed with Edmonds coming back from an injury that uh, Connor is the goal line back. So yeah, no, if the Cardinals are scoring that. touchdowns from rushing, it's either Kyler or it's Connor. And we've had now seen Connor has um, kind of incredibly, he's got... 11 touchdowns, 10 rushing, one uh, receiving over nine games, um, which is a crazy pace. But normally I'd say touchdown regression is a thing. And if you – sorry, geez. If you read the stardom sit him, I keep saying James Conner, touchdown regression is coming and he should be a sit this week. He just keeps proving me wrong. Um, at this point, I'm just going to say, yeah, he's just going to score a touchdown every game. Well, so, he's, he's on the team. I'm pretty sure the Cardinals are leading the league in touchdowns. If not, they're pretty fucking close. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm riding the wave. I don't, I don't know. It's about a good you guys. offense to bank yeah. on touchdowns. <laughs> I'm getting into my contender buy because I actually just did this in the third and twenty league. Um, Melvin Gordon. I think that you know another guy that we think he's just going to wash away into nothing, but has continued to carve himself out a role like kind of like JT we've all thought Javante oh he's taken over this week oh this is the breakout week even last week right he looked really good well they want to get Melvin Gordon in the game still I think that that's pretty freaking clear so I'm gonna buy him because you can pick him up for like less than a second in a, in a decent amount of league probably not every league but I think a lot of people if you give something at the value of a late second round pick, a very late second round pick at that, you can pry Melvin Gordon away from whoever has him. And well, I think that's a that's a nice little contender buy if you need a, a low end with mid-tier upside RB2. If you guys want to hear something funny, uh, as, to, as far as Frank saying with, with Javante Williams versus Melvin Gordon, it is like, Javante, uh, Melvin Gordon, I don't know how to start this off, actually. Yeah, we'll go with Javante Williams, past three games, right? He had four carries against the Browns. Melvin Gordon had eight. He had nine carries against the football team. Melvin Gordon had 10. Javante has 17 carries against the Cowboys. 
Melvin Gordon had 21. <laughs> For, I don't know. <laughs> it's just they they consistently keep Melvin Gordon just a little bit ahead of Javante every week. I don't know if yeah. that's actually by design or whatnot, but that's <laughs> how it's shaping up. And yeah, for whatever price Frank's saying you can get him, I'll, I'll believe. I, I just think he's dirt cheap right now, and he's still someone that is effective. Well, speaking of people that are effective, um, I, I said I was going to stop the corny transitions. I'm sorry. I get. I, apparently, I can't. <laughs> um, Cordero Patterson, though, at, at this point, I thought Cordero Patterson was a massive bait, and I, he's proven me completely wrong. I did pick him up in two redraft leagues, which is nice, though. Just a quick aside. Um, fact of the matter is. At this point, if you are a contender and you're really trying to push for that chip and you're just looking for someone, I need someone this year. I don't care about the value down the line. I don't care. Fuck that noise. I want I want someone this year. Well, Cordero Patterson is probably the cheapest elite player you can still get in, in the league. Apparently, according to Keep Trade Cut, I don't think this is true. I think the Keep Trade Cut is dead wrong here. He's worth a mid-second round pick. Uh, let, let me see some of the names he's he's around. Um, Chase Edmonds, LaVisca Chenault, 2022 mid-second, Christian Kirk. I personally think whoever has him is going to be asking for more. But why not try? If you're if you're someone, hey, I'll give you a second and then some other crap on top to make it even, maybe it works out. And you could pick up, like, what he's a running back and receiver, so whatever the hell you need, you can find a way to put him in your team. He's been literally, like, the perfect flex player this year. He's, he's insane. He's like that versatility in your lineup. You can put him basically in every lineup spot. If you're missing not your quarterback spot. or tight end, it, it's phenomenal. And duty, if he's still worth less than a first round pick and you're looking to win, make that run, push for that championship, maybe your Henry got hurt. I'm, I'm testing the waters. Since, since week one, the lowest he's put up in any game in half VPR is like 13 and a half. Everything's been like 17, 22, so I, I I agree with you with Cordero Patterson. I feel like everyone in the beginning of the year was just kind of waiting for it to trail off, but like he's especially with Calvin Ridley gone, it's it's Pitts and Patterson. That's the offense. That's the entire. It's absolutely offense. nuts. It's absolutely nuts to me that he's doing this. I I, I, I still seven. don't believe. I still don't believe it every single week, and it's been it in nine it weeks and it just keeps happening i i still don't believe it he's a 30 year old wide receiver that's been on five teams i I, I don't boys. believe it he's dude it's boys. the arthur smith touch you got to give credit where credit is due i understand that arthur smith is kind of a mean a meme not a mean he is apparently somewhat mean though um it's big cat with sideburns Fat Nicholas Cage. No, he's Fat Nicholas Cage, bro. We already coined he's Fat Nicholas Cage. <laughs> fat Nicholas Cage. That's who he is. But dude, he's making things work. Like he he made the Tannehill thing work. He's making this Cordero Patterson thing work. He, he turned around Derrick Henry. Like what's this- great? The Falcons. The Falcons. The fun fact: you, I would never have even just uh, like thought they're in the playoffs right now. They're the third wild card in the NFC. At four, they're just hanging is- around, insane. and he's able yeah. to manage the end of games apparently. So. Who knows? The Falcons that don't blow leads every week, who knows what the fuck they could be? <laughs> they, they were trying real hard, though. It, it was close. <laughs> they tried. <laughs> um, all right. Next guy on the list, Chris Carson, um, allegedly coming off IR this week. I don't know. He wasn't officially activated yet, right? But it's Pete Carroll said he'd be on the field. I don't necessarily know what that means, but – if it's not this week, it should be the following week that we get Chris Carson back. 
Um, I think we saw Alex Collins, like, could kind of be productive. Like, at least he was a body. Like, the rest of the Seahawks running backs really did not offer anything, <laughs> to be quite and honest. Travis Homer and DJ Dallas. And The I reason I'm interested in Chris Carson is that when Russ comes back, and if Carson comes week, back, yeah. and they start, and let's just say the scenario happens earlier that Odell Beckham gets added, and maybe they pass the ball a little bit more. Um, I like JT pointed out that didn't happen with with Josh Gordon, so there is definitely a chance that this doesn't happen. But let's just say they pass the ball on average four or five more times a game. Chris Carson is easily the biggest threat catching the football out of these running backs that's not Travis Homer, but Travis Homer is Travis Homer. So, like, sorry, bud. That, that's huge because him coming back, this could be a dude that, once again, you can pick up for a second-round pick. Um, I, it's just the health thing, right? The health that thing was, is such I, a big I, I, red flag. I was about to say, I agree with everything you said, and I think Carson is going to be productive when he's back. It, it all comes down to can he stay healthy? That's how – how much do you believe that he can give you? What are we weeks? thinking, bait? I mean, we're not doing bait or great, but is this bait or is this? No, great? I, I think he's okay because I think it depends. Think it depends if, what. Go ahead, JT. Go if ahead. you're convincing yourself out of a running back because of health, it, like like all running backs could get. I know, but come easily. on, like I'm not, I'm not going to compare Carson to most running backs with health. This is the third Carson, and twenty it's every bait single podcast. Year. I mean, it's every single year with him. So so many running backs get injured though, and and even running backs that haven't been injured before it's just like you just gotta get lucky on whatever guy stays healthy the the last i don't know it's kind of funny to think about but we only have like six weeks left six seven weeks um i don't know i'm, I'm just gonna go for it i i you guys check check that snapchat they just sent to you all right do we have fish on us or hooks or something no no no, no. i, uh, I okay. do have the fish on there though yeah yeah i see i like it I don't have. Oh, I should pull up the YouTube. Hello, YouTube listeners. Uh, if you're watching us on live, I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it, dude, uh, Jake, you have him in the third and twenty league, and I was, I was asking you. I, you never responded to me because I guess you didn't want to do it. But I can't, um, especially because I like my team. I think I just made a big move for Josh Allen in that league. Um, I still have, you know, Jonathan Taylor in that league. Daryl. You lost to JT this week. Lost to me this week. Yeah, I know. Ooh, I, I have Jake's yeah. number in every league. Yeah. Yep, it's fine. I don't care. I have a ring. You don't. Thanks very much. Next. Mickey Mouse Championship. Sorry. Continue, Jake. <laughs> I just do. I'm with Frank on this one. This offense is going to be very good when Russ is healthy, when Carson's healthy. Um, it's going to go back to looking like the Seattle offense we saw in the first half of the season, where it's just much more. It's not going to be this Geno Smith offense with Alex Collins running the ball. It's just a completely different team. And if you're a contender, just having you know, a running back on a good team that's going to get probably 15 carries a game is worth a lot. And I think as a contender, there's just no way I'm not trying to at least pick up the phone and see what the owner wants. Or if I have him already, I'm just going to activate him off my IR and plug and play him every week pretty much. Um, all right. Um, Someone that we touched on before, Mark Ingram. I don't know. I already said enough about him. So I think we can move on to J.D. McKissick of the Washington football team. Um, Linus, what were your thoughts on J.D. McKissick? So the thing, with McKissick, like, the thing with McKissick, obviously we've known him to be, especially in PPR leagues, really high upside and half EPR who always get you a couple of catches per game. 
I think we've just seen Antonio Gibson's injury just keeps like it, it's not gonna. It, I don't think it's gonna go away this regular season. Um, the last time we saw Antonio Gibson play, he wasn't on the injury report heading into the game, and Jared Patterson now touched him. There's there's zero reason for that to happen if he's like truly fully healthy. And I love Antonio Gibson. It's if anything for me, he might be someone I try to buy this offseason leagues. Like, because I do think when he is fully healthy, he's an extremely talented young running back. But for the rest of the season, it's not there. They've been giving they've been giving McKissick all those receiving chances. Um, it's not like they have a ton of like targets. Diami Brown and Curtis Samuel can't well, Curtis can't stay healthy. And I think Diami's either hurt, he might be hurt right now. I'm not, I don't know if he came back yet. I know he had an injury. Uh, Logan Thomas had been injured. Like uh, these passes have to go to someone, and McKissick every game is getting a couple catches, couple catches, and his value is still low because of Antonio Gibson. Um, so he's someone where, if, if depending on the value, you can get him at. Yeah, he's someone that I'd feel pretty good at putting at like a flex if you need to any um, particular weeks, just because the offense, the uh, lack of receivers around him, and Antonio Gibson just can't. He just doesn't look like himself this year. I, I think he will next season when he has a full offseason to recover from that injury. But for the rest of this season, it's uh, I, I, I feel weird about Gibson. 24 targets over the past three games for J.D. McKissick. Yep. Um, I think he's solid. Uh, definitely a cheap buy. Uh, could be a solid flex play when you have uh, – got to remember, there's bye weeks up until week 14 this year. Um, so – I don't know. Uh, he Kurt. just had his bye week nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we'll be trying to scramble for players for a little longer than we normally anticipate. Um, all right. With that, we'll move on to our last contender bye for a running back position. That's none other, none other than Lombardi Lenny himself. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah, who, who's going on Lombardi Lenny? Yeah, that was me. I mean, the thing with... Fournette here is what's he going to cost? Uh, I don't like yeah. prior to the season, people would you probably could have got him very cheap. Um, and it's really going to depend on the, the you know, the roster, uh, what their opinion is on him moving forward. He's a 26 year old running back. How long is he going to play for? Uh, what's the situation look like moving beyond this year? I believe he's on a one year deal in, in Tampa Bay. Um, but for the remainder of the season, we've seen him be very productive and completely dominate this Tampa Bay backfield. Um, if if I don't see why that would change, Tom Brady seems to believe in him. Bruce Arians seems to believe in him. Um, if you can get him I, I, for a middle-of-the-road second as a contender, I think that might be something that could really put you over the edge in into the playoffs here. But if the, owners, the owner might want a late first-round pick here, and that's just where I draw the line, the I'm not going to give up a first-round pick. For Leonard Fournette here. Oh, there's no way I'm giving up a first round pick for Leonard Fournette. Are you giving up an early second? I know you said mid second, but if the owner was really budging, or maybe like uh, a mid second and late third. Uh, if a contender has an early second, I would consider it, depending on how, you know, there's a difference between like, I'm going to make the playoffs contender and like, I'm a real contender. If you're that where you just need one final piece, I think the early second would be worth it. See, the problem is that he's valued right now around Pat Frymuth, Robert Woods, Brandon Ayuk, no offense. To me, all four of those players would have to garner pretty damn close to a first-round pick. Right, and that's the issue here. Yeah, That's why I brought up the early second, because I think it depends. I do agree with you where if you're going all in, all in, and you're like not just like a contender, like, oh, I'm, I'm a playoff team, but like 
I'm one of the top two or three teams in the league. I, I legit might win this year. I think that's the scenario where I'd really consider it um, because he's he's been insanely productive. The backfield's his in Tampa Bay, which is arguably the best offensive football, if not just flat out the best offensive football. Uh, he's RB13 on the season. Um, he's, he, he's productive every um, every except I know the last game against the Saints was not much, but they were playing from behind majority of that game. Uh, and the Saints have an insanely good run defense. But and so I'm with you. I'm, I think if you're in that position where you're one of the top two or three teams in your league, yes. If you're just a playoff team, it might be too high of a price because the person who owns him, like they know that he's been practically a low end RB1 this year. So I, I think it's for those top contenders. Or I tried to buy him early in the season, too, you know, right as we really saw him starting to take control of this backfield. And even then, the owner in our league at least won a first round pick, and I was just shocked. <laughs> So, I mean, it makes yeah. sense now. He's running back 13 on the season. I mean, trading away virtually an RB1, it, it, you're going you're gonna to want that first-round pick. I understand it. I'm just – I can't bring myself to pay it. But, oh, I can't yeah, pay I'm, it, I'm, but I understand asking for it. All right. Well, those yeah. are the contender running back buys. Um, definitely wouldn't go overboard trying to acquire any of them. But um, – I don't know. I, I think those are some solid pieces that could definitely help you in the playoffs, can definitely get you through the bye weeks, hang into final season. Um, all right, so moving on, we got the Debbie, Debbie analysis. Frank, I've heard you talk about this guy a couple times now. It's someone that you're kind of high on. That's Tennessee quarterback, Hendon Hooker. Yeah, so t- Hendon Hooker, like, don't get me wrong. I, I don't think that he's going to be a first-round pick at all. Um, very slim chance. The thing is, I saw on Twitter people were asking the question, like, why isn't Hendon Hooker getting any buzz? Uh, but in in terms of like his numbers, and I I really like this Tennessee offense. Um, he runs the football well. Uh, he's got a good percentage of of like rushing output. He has an extremely high average yards per attempt right now. I think it's one of the highest of of like the top draft eligible quarterbacks. Um, this Tennessee offense has been really, really good in, in the SEC. So, like, it's not like they're playing slashes. If we're going to see a second or third round quarterback, let's just assume that for now. There is a chance that he goes in the first round. I think he's just a little bit older. I'm actually going to look up his age right right now. I have no idea how old he is. I'm going to assume because I'm pretty sure he's in his fifth year here. Yeah, so he's 23 years old, born 1998. I mean, there were plenty of players last year that were that were younger than him in the draft. I just think he could be interesting, dude. He's definitely someone I'm going to be keeping my eye on for one of those third-round picks as of right now, if I had to guess. Maybe he's a second-round kind of guy. It really depends on the draft capital and the landing spot, but... If, yeah. if anyone like dude, we we've seen it right if if anyone's going to come out of the woodworks it's like Dak Prescott did it from the SEC um i i feel like there have been some decent low key SEC quarterbacks that haven't necessarily like panned out long term but have been around the league maybe something with Hendon Hooker i you know how i feel top 15 or bust um but I don't know. I, I can't really buy into a fifth-year transfer player. That's my issue on um Pickett, too. I, I know people are going to start pushing Pickett up the ranks. 
um, more and more. But I I just can't buy into it. This is the battle with these quarterbacks, is that draft capital and landing spot are going to change things a ton, no matter who your name is and no matter what you've done. So until we see the draft capital, we really can't put a valuation on someone. Because let's just say he ends up going pick 22 to Pittsburgh, right? Just completely out of the blue, right? All of a sudden, he's going to be a high-end first-round pick in in, yeah. in dynasty leagues. So, it, the the range is absolutely freaking nuts. But like, if he ends up going to uh, back up someone good in the fifth round, like, then he's going to be free. So, I just hey. think that because of the hype I was seeing on Twitter, that we had to mention him. Like, he's at least like he's on the radar now. He's in in the realm of radar. <laughs> Pick 22 is a pretty generous pick for the Steelers, Frank. <laughs> give, give them that. that oh, wait, I'm that? in 32. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Next guy, someone that's been injured, um, kind of fell off the radar, I would yeah. say. Um, so that's, yeah, go ahead, Jake. Yeah, so the two guys I want to talk about today are both injury uh, injured currently uh, wide receivers. The first one is George Pickens, wide receiver at, at Georgia. I, I truly thought heading into last season, he's the best receiver in college football. I think he's the most physical receiver in college football. He runs very well for a big guy. He's 6'3", 215. Uh, or sorry, 6'3", 190. Sorry, the next guy I'm talking about is 6'3", 215. Uh, but overall, he tore his ACL last season. He is yet to play this season. Uh, I don't think he will. I think he's going to kind of just say, I'm taking the full season to rehab myself and prepare myself for the NFL draft. Um, I think a lot of his dynasty stock is going to be put into his draft capital, which is obviously going to be be determined by how his medicals check out come combine time. So if he checks out fine, I really think there is a chance that he slips slips into the back end of the first round, similar pick end of the first round, similar to like where Rashad Bateman went last year. And if that's the case, I think there could be a very well good chance that he ends up being a back end first round first round pick in your dynasty league. I think he's that talented. I think he's a guy to keep your eye on. Don't let this ACL injury scare you off because well, he is truly so so talented. Let, let me ask you this, Jake. And I mean, we're probably gonna have six months to, to debate this. But are you taking him over any of the likes of, I'll give you four, Traylon Burks, uh, David Bell, Drake London, Garrett Wilson? Over Garrett Wilson and Drake London, uh, David Bell and, and Burks, it's it's close. All right. I, I think I can't have him over those four. The, the um, major question I have with him is, Right, like if he if he ends up coming out for the draft, I think it's going to be because he's hearing from people. Oh, dude, the scouts don't give a crap about the injury. the The front offices don't care. We know you're a stud, right? Okay, come he out. He's going to be a first there round pick. No doubt, he's a stud. But I, if I'm Pickens as of today, based off of the rumblings of people on Twitter, okay, so this is clearly not like official information or anything. But if I'm George Pickens, and I am not like a lock for one of the top three receivers drafted. I am 1000% staying back and lighting up college football 
and and he's probably going to be the the wide receiver one of that class. I mean, he was the consensus wide receiver one coming in. The guy's been mm. at, super hyped up, since up coming into college. You know, he's done nothing but produce like when he's playing. Um, I yeah, feel I like... agree with you. I don't think the thing is, is if he's in drafts, I don't think he's going late first. I think he's plopped right mid first, and that hype really? train is going to be massive. Like I said, it's going to depend on his medicals. If his medicals check out yeah. and he he runs well and and tests well, he's obviously going to shoot all the way back up to where he was pre injury, and then he's going to be a top end dynasty pick. Just well, what I he is that good. Yeah, what I am going to say, I, I have a feeling I'm not sure which way it's going to be, but I think wherever a consensus draft Twitter thinks he's going to end up going in the real life draft, I think he's going to go either like a good amount lower or higher. Because I think depending on if when he goes and gets uh, like kind of like these medical. No, I don't mean like I just mean like drastic. <laughs> He's gonna go lower or higher. I said he, good amount, like, like drastically. <laughs> like so, say what? What's like a prediction for where he goes? Like I, I think he's got to go between somewhere between round one and round seven. <laughs> no, but say, no, but Frank, say, have you ever heard of those undrafted free agents? They could end up on teams too. Wait, that's someone, a thing. <laughs> say he's someone who's projected like early second because i think if he goes and he gets medically cleared by teams he could end up going in like the teens of the first because talent wise he deserves he, to be up there no um i i think you guys versus, are starting to drink the george pickens quality like, don't good. get me wrong I, I he's a he's a beast he's fucking good he's a beast he's an absolute beast he fits he's, he checks fucking good. literally every box jt he is big he is fast mm. he has great hands uh, and he's 20 years old at the moment he will be 21 um, uh, Look, all yeah, I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, if he decides to stay another year, he's certainly falling in my rankings. Um, if he goes out, I, I like him more. I'll, I'll put him over like Olave. Um, but he, he'll probably be like the fifth or sixth wide. I think the fifth wide receiver I'll have in the class. Uh, it's just gonna well, be interesting. Well, we're, we're gonna have like six months to, and he might even stay another year. So we're yeah, gonna have a whole the, year. Yeah, that's the big X factor. Is that if if Pickens stays in this draft class, all of a sudden this receiver class, I think is a, is better than last year's receiver class, which is gonna be crazy. Okay, yeah, I don't think that there's gonna be a Jamar Chase and potentially like, dude, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waller are both playing very well, right? And then we saw Elijah Moore. Like, uh, I'm not Elijah saying Moore's that up. the top yeah. end is gonna be insane. But the fact of the matter mm-hmm. is, is that there's like six good receiver prospects, like all guys I think have a chance of being in the first round. And that's just as many, if not more, as last year's draft. So, and that's without the draft type of all these random guys that's eventually going to happen. Yeah. I, I mean, we'll see. I don't know. I feel like he's going to be one that will be one of the most highly debated guys um, as we get closer. Who's your other guy, Jake? The other guy is, you know, my own University of Maryland, uh, Dante Dimas Jr. Uh, he's a guy that was lighting it up early in the season while Maryland football looked really good. Uh, he then proceeded to snap his leg, de- very Dak-esque, honestly. It was pretty gross. Um, but he's a ginormous, very fast man. Uh, he is 6'3", 215, and a complete deep threat. He was kind of a piece that really made this Maryland offense go early in the season. And without him, we really, really stalled. Not saying that the Maryland football team is great, but I watch a lot of them. So I've seen him. 
I think before the injury, he was projected to go in around the third round. I think he'll probably fall a little bit just because this was such a gruesome injury. But he's just a guy that I'm keeping keeping an eye on because I think he's he is a guy that can really take the top off a of defense when healthy, and he's very big and I, I you know not not Mike Evans because that's too good for him, but a similar type of player. I yeah, I'm actually kind of with you on that. I mean. You know me, Tinder Girl JT. I, I love those kind of numbers. The six three two fifteen. Um, I don't know. He's someone that we're gonna have to wait and see where he ends up getting drafted. Again, he's another guy like Pickens, where it's gonna be his medicals because he had such a just disgusting injury. Where if he heals well and he can run as well as he did beforehand, he's gonna be an interesting pick. Um, it probably in the beginning to middle of day three of the NFL draft. And if you could take him in the third round of a, a rookie draft, maybe fourth round, depending on where he falls, I think he's just a guy to keep you an eye on. Mm-hmm. I like that. All right. Um, looks like we're moving on to our last segment, our buys for the future. So, you know, you're not a contending team. Maybe you had Derek Henry, who's going to be your main guy. He gets injured. You think, I don't even have a shot making the playoffs. Uh, stuff like that. You you've been a rebuilding team. Who are guys that you should be buying that will be better in 2022? Is kind of our goal of this segment. And Frank, kick us off. All right, one of my first of many buys that I like, and this is partly I saw. I think Bean Counter on Twitter was saying like he was hyping up Rondell Moore, <clears throat> um, and a couple other people were. But I agree. I think Rondell Moore once again keep trade cut is is not perfect for valuations and if you're in a league with me or someone like me i i'm not giving up Rondell more for less than a, a first round pick probably so but the fact of the matter is apparently he's worth less than a first round pick right now and i saw people in the comments saying oh he's just a gadget player and and making all these you know reasons why not to get him so if you can go out and buy Rondell more for less than a first round pick value or even give up like like GT said, though, you're probably not a contender, so you're not going to have a contender first. If you do have a contender first, maybe I'd give it up for Rondell Moore. I like him and might do that, but the fact of the matter is, is that first-round pick is liquid. But um, if you can somehow finagle your way into a Rondell Moore without giving up a first, I think that's a phenomenal little pickup. Yeah, I, I agree completely. completely. Um. I think even giving up a late first for Rondell Moore isn't bad. Yeah, I don't it's think like that's a bad who, deal. It's yeah. just... It feels bad. I'm, I'm going to try to desperately to figure out any way to not do that. Just because... Uh, that's fair. Fact of the matter is, is that you're going to be able to trade that first for probably just as high, if not higher, a price than Rondell Moore, unless Rondell Moore starts popping off here at the end of the season. Um, but with draft type and the fact that we... I mean, we already listed off like four or five receivers that we all really like. Odds are one of them is going to be in the top 12 picks or around there, right? And like you you can't predict the championship. So if it's pick 10, you have to imagine that like there's going to be five of quarterbacks and running backs that people also like and other receivers. So you could probably just get a similar price for that first. That's true. Um. All right, moving on. Next ca- oh, pair, guys. Two right. running backs. Yeah, um, I'm going here again. I got a bunch here. 
This is so. This is a move that I've done in both of my leagues. I picked up Dobbins in one league and then Acres in another league. Listen, I've gotten boned, betting on injuries before, um, but I, I just really like both of these running backs. I didn't think you were going to be able to get them for a late first sale. I figured that because like the waiting period has happened, that people would just kind of convince themselves that these running backs are worth more than just a random first. I like giving up a random first for Dobbins and Acres, especially if it's a 2022 random first. Um, I think these guys are talented. They're in a good situation and in a really good like offense for running the ball. They check a lot of the boxes. So I think that both of these dudes, I'm confident, can come back next year and increase in value even before the season starts. I think that there might be a hype train in camp and whatnot where you can yeah, you can sell them for more than just a random first. I guarantee you there will be because they'll just be in camp and they'll get all the reports of – Oh, Dobbins looks healthy. Dobbins moving well in camp. Akers looks great in McVay's offense again. Like, you're going to get all those reports, all the training camp buzz, and you probably will be able to just stonk them if you want. Trade a first for them now and get a first plus for them come training camp. Um, I think they're pretty decent buys here. Dobbins. I think Akers is, is scarier, though. I, okay, so the point the, I was the Achilles make, does scare me more than the ACL. Absolutely. The point I was going to make, I I still don't think you can even uh, like Dobbins. If you can get Dobbins for one first, even if it's like a mid first, um, I, I would do that in a second. I just don't know. Like I, I feel if I had Dobbins, I would still be valuing him and saying, yeah, maybe because I I know I'm higher on Dobbins in consensus. I know you three really like Dobbins also. Um, I just feel I feel. I feel a lot better about him than Acres, even though I, I don't. I don't hate uh, sending a late first for Acres. Um, Acres is such like just kind of a we have to like wait and see how that whole situation turns out with how he looks healthy, um, how the backfield looks next year between him and Henderson. Even though Henderson only has one more year on his contract after the season. Um, I, if you what's what's Dobbins' price right now? Keep checking. Is it like is it like a mid first? Probably a mid first. I would I would buy Dobbins for a mid first. I think Dobbins is going to be so good. I would too. But the one thing that annoys me about Acres, I don't think he's going to come back and be irrelevant or anything. I'm just wondering if I don't think irrelevant. I just I don't think it's going to be a workhorse situation. Yeah, I don't know that, how that's what's going to work. Well, right. That's the thing though. If he comes back and he is a workhorse, the, the, those are two big ifs. But that's a top five running back then. It if is, get, but if you get Cam Akers that's in a lot Daryl Henderson role, that's a uh, that's a top five dynasty running back. Well, the, uh, yeah, the thing is, Daryl Henderson's role is Daryl Henderson's role because he doesn't have someone as talented next to him. You know what I mean? Uh, like you have you have a washed up Sony Michelle. I'm not. I, I, I stop, I'm like the ultimate Sony Michelle here. I don't hate him. I think he's a fine backup running back. But I just think Daryl Henderson's like okay. I don't think Daryl Henderson's anything great. Like what we saw from. Cam Akers before was much better than Daryl Henderson. It's just can can we get that kind of level of Cam Akers back from an Achilles? And that's yet to be seen. I mean, but the other if, thing too, though, is that if you look at a lot of these wide zone teams, um, like the wide zone coaches, dude, a lot of their just whoever is the primary back. It doesn't matter who it is or what split of the carries it is. It's like they've been good. From C.J. Anderson in the playoffs to 
backup running backs like and and then guys who are like kind of tweener backups is not a backup but he's not great like the daryl henderson and then like elijah mitchell on the niners and whoever the fuck the niners back is it's like dude if you were just able to play 50 percent of the snaps at running back you've been relevant so why can't that happen for acres true and then jt's right like you have the upside of oh well if he just happens to take the Daryl Henderson role, well, then he's a top five dynasty running back you just picked up for um, for a cheap. Yeah. He's definitely got the biggest upside. Um, he's kind of that home run play that I think if you're, got, you're a guy that's been down for the past couple of years um, and you're looking to try and flip your team around, I think he's the kind of guy that I try and take a lottery ticket on. Um, all right. Moving on, though, I'm going to give you a break here real quick, Frank. So I just tossed in someone that I know you like as well. Um, Nico Collins of a um, – sorry, I was looking at the time stamp. Nico Collins of Houston, um, out of Michigan. We've just seen Donovan Peoples-Jones go off for um, Cleveland. And Nico Collins is someone that's interesting because we haven't necessarily seen him yet. He was a fourth-year um, – college draft player like he, he came out his senior year um which you know i normally ding prospects for on the bright side he he was a day two pick so that's a positive for him we've seen that day two picks are normally what you want to see you don't want to see anything beyond day two picks um what's also going for him and i don't normally like doing this but his situation is just i know a lot of people are going to be down on oh the texans like they're stuck between tyrod taylor and Davis Mills, a quarterback, yeah, yeah, yada. I just think Nico Collins is one of those few guys that's going to be there for the long term. Because You're not I mean, drafting him for this year. Yeah, they have way more positions to fill than wide receivers. Nico Collins has shown, uh, you know, flashes so far. Um, he, he's put up over 50 yards in the game, um, which is more than a, a few of the rookie wide receivers so far. Um, I don't know. I, I think... We kind of always expected that it would take a little time for him to adjust to the NFL. I think he's very cheap right now. His price certainly has not gone up since when he was drafted. And when he was getting drafted, he was like a, a mid to late second, sometimes even slipping into the thirds. Um, so if you could get him for around that same price of, of a third round pick for Nico Collins, I like him a lot more than most of the mid to late seconds and thirds wide receivers that will be coming out this year he just he just had the most number of snaps he's had in the game both the number and the percentage he was up to 48 snaps against in miami 70 percent of the snaps yeah. it's close slowly been climbing right so week one he had 55 percent didn't really do much against jacksonville uh, next week he only has two percent. I actually think he got he hurt got that game. He got hurt yeah, that game. Yeah. And then I think he was been he, he was battling injury. Yeah, he was battling injury weeks like three through five. He comes back week six, starts, gets fifty seven percent of snaps, then sixty three, then sixty four. Dude, the other thing too though is that from week six to week nine. They've scored a combined like 39 points and they're lucky they did because they put up a bunch of garbage time against the Rams. They, they've essentially scored no fucking points. <laughs> yeah. um, and they, that just sucks. But he's actually like, his style is not terrible. Six targets, five targets, four targets, three targets. He's catching a lot of them. If there's anyone who's going to have like a, a nice little end of season to end on a high note, 
I really do think it could be Nico Collins, and I agree that he. I wouldn't buy him for the future. I'd fucking buy him right now. Like, are you I don't paying think a second for him? Do you guys? The thing is, a later second. A later one. I'd I mean, give an early third. I don't know. I don't know if I can go into late second. A late second, I'd probably give up. I just don't think you have to for Nico Collins. That's also a fair point. No, I don't know what his price is right now. I, have no I, th- idea. I think that, yeah, like you could give up a second, but then get Nico Collins and something else. I don't think it has to be a second for Nico Collins straight up. Yeah. And, unless the person that drafted him is really high on him or whatever. But you could do the same thing. Let's get into another guy, Dimey Brown. I don't know who's he put on the list. We all like Dimey Brown. Uh, but yeah, you, you can take this one. I put They're, on they're right next to each other and keep trade cut, right? You just do the same thing, right? You just test the waters. If the if the person drafted them mid-second round and they still really like him or they traded for him in the offseason hype, yeah, you're probably not going to be able to get him. But you got to use a little bit of creativity. Hey, well, what, if they're a competing team, maybe give them a good receiver and – Try to get draft picks and and the receiver or whatever, right? You just got to try all avenues that you can, um, because you're you're kind of fighting the the thing we coined earlier, the um, Cephas scenario. Yeah, the Cephas scenario, right? Where obviously, if a person drafted him, they like him, and they're gonna have a little bit of bias, but um, that that's where you got to have some creativity to be able to get these guys because most. I think that most people are going to value both of these players higher than wide receiver 65 and 64 on keep trade cut. And their value, like they're valued at like an early mid third. And it's just like, dude, that you're probably not getting for that. Yeah, right. no, I agree with those. Who's next on our list? We got here. I, I, let me just get my guys out of the way so I can All shut right. up. Um, (laughs) you won't anyway it's fine (laughs) i'm just like dude i think that ross you're you're gonna say like oh this is a weird player for this segment because he's kind of older i still think that ross is the cheapest qb1 in the league he is every year I, i like he's just the top five quarterback that's not valued like a top five quarterback um, you can get him pretty damn cheap. He's going to be great for you this year. He's going to be great for you next year. I th- I think he has a great like four to five year outlook. To be completely honest, um, so like yeah, you might be buying a 32, 33 year old quarterback, but I just think that dude, it, you're not going to get a QB one for cheaper, especially if you're a retooling team, dude. You can just get a rock at your super flex spot, and then QB two, you can find some other replacement or whatever later later down the line when you actually need to. I like Russ's buy. I, th- I think I think the problem with... Uh, well, not the Russ's problem. I'm saying why people are mistakenly too low on him. I think people just look at that age 33 and they're like, eh, I think Russ is going to be good still for years. Like, wait longer I think, than I think people are expecting. I think people are expecting, like, oh, he's only got, like, the next two-ish maybe. Like, nah, I think he's going to be good. I'm with you on that with four to five years. I think he's gonna give you good production, um, and then when you have, you tell me I got four to five years of good production from the quarterback. You have more than enough time to figure it out uh, in the future if you want to move on. But I'm with you in terms of Russ, insanely cheap QB, and I mean I think I think also people who are worried about Pete Carroll. D- does this make you higher or lower on Russ? Because it kind of makes me higher on Russ. The possibility that he might leave Seattle in a year or two. 
He's just fucking phenomenal. That's what makes me high on Russ. <laughs> He's just really good. Yeah, I, no, I know. But I'm just, I think it kind of makes me like if he if he goes to if he ends up leaving Seattle, and he lets to go to an off. He goes to an offense that just lets him like lets him run the show, kind of like what we saw fantasy wise of Brady's last couple seasons in New England versus now what he's doing in Tampa Bay when he can run the offense and everything he wants to. I, I think I think Russ even has like an added ceiling. Oh, I don't think he's leaving Seattle, but that's fine. Yeah, I think they're just going to be tied together. I think he's fine the way he is. <laughs> I mean, I still think I mean, he's good he, the way he, he is. I'm just saying. The way he is. Like, I mean, there, I think there, was, anything... there was the report that his agent did get a, a list of teams last offseason. I don't know for sure if it's going to happen, but it was. Whatever. There was if anything, stuff that happened. I could see Pete Carroll retiring. The man is like 70 years old. Uh, you can only coach so long. Um and if that's the case, Russ would have a big say, I would assume, in hiring the next head coach and but bringing in the guy that – I mean, he would essentially be the offensive coordinator similar <laughs> yeah. to Brady, Brady down in Tampa Bay. So I think it would be a, a, a good fit. But regardless, Russ is fantastic. Buy him anyway. Okay, my last guy. And, um, I mean, I agree with some of these others now that I'm looking at the list. But <laughs> Gabe Davis, apparently he's wide receiver 69 which is nice. like only four or five spots behind Diamond Brown and Nico Collins. I don't think that is the case. I think that there's enough Gabe Davis hate that you legitimately can pick him up for pretty damn cheap to the point where he's starting to become a throw-in on deals type of cheap. This is exactly what I've been trying to wait for, this kind of scenario for Gabe Davis. Um, I, I like Gabe Davis for the long haul. I think that he's a really professional player, which is not taken into any analysis ever. Um but it's just I think it's a, it's important, and, and the Bills clearly believe in him because this was a very crowded receiver room coming into the season, and, and dude, they they cut some good players off of that roster coming into the year. They're still giving him snaps. Um, I just think that he's going to grow well as the years go on, and to me, he's the type of dude that could have like a year three, year four breakout. I'm with you, and guy, and some of the guys that I can target, like Beasley, Manuel Sanders. I don't see there be, I don't see them being there long term. I think even into next year, I don't know for sure if um, Sanders is still going to be ahead of him by the time we're talking like this time next season. Uh, so I like Gabe Davis. I mean, he showed a lot his rookie year, and now I feel like everyone's lower on him just because this season he hasn't been able to do as much. But I just think that offense has been super spreading the ball around. Um, I, I don't even necessarily think he needs to stay in Buffalo to be successful. I think he's just a very talented wide receiver, and he might end up going somewhere where he might have more opportunity and a you know worse offense, per se. And I think it, it could be good for him to grow and fill a bigger role on an offense rather than being stuck behind you know the likes of Stephon Diggs and whoever they're going to bring in as these veteran wide receivers and Emmanuel Sanders and... and, and uh, Cole Beasley, excuse me. So I, I think he's just a guy that, like Frank said, is has the potential to grow, and he's a guy that you can get for pretty much nothing at this point. So, well, yeah, that's that's the key point. I wouldn't say I'm his biggest fan, um, but at the price of Frank was saying, like throw wins on trades, you know, making those bigger trades. Sweeter. Well, let me shoot this scenario where okay. it's like, shoot it. let's just say you bought him now. For like a late third and then Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley go and he starts getting a little bit of hype and then you sell him for an earlier third you make like very minimal profit if the if the bills then go out and draft a receiver 
like pretty highly with a first or second round pick. Is like where is Gabe Davis going to be cheaper than he is right now? Is he going to be more expensive just because even though like they drafted a guy because Beasley and Sanders both left, like I think the- if they draft someone one of the first two rounds, I think that hurts a little bit because I think even in Gabe Davis's value right now is kind of considering like okay, Sanders and Beasley are there and they're getting more looks, but if they get someone like first round who's just like a stud, like if they get like a Burks or something, that's different. Like, that's- like imagine this Buffalo offense adds a guy in like George Pickens in the back end of the like first Trayvon round. Burks, someone, one of them. Traylon yeah. Burks in the back end of the first round. That, that, that's going to kill his value. That, that changes whether, that whether it's, his value more than the value whether, there. Whether it's the correct evaluation of his value or not, I, I don't know. But I, it will kill his value in the the dynasty community. They'll just be all, all out on. Okay, him. I think that that if that scenario happens, that's when I want to buy him. Okay, after, when, he, after... when he bottoms out. Well, like yeah, at that point you'll be able to get him dirt cheap. I, I don't. I, I don't think that there's. Let me let me put this the correct way. Yes, that's going to be annoying, but. I think that's a good scenario for Gabe Davis to be a flex player, which is like all I'm buying him for. I'm not buying Gabe Davis to be my wide receiver one. I'm trying to buy a cheap flex player. And if they draft a receiver, which I think there's a damn good chance they do in the first round, even like that, that to me is the perfect buy scenario for Gabe Davis, because Uh. then the community fucking hates him. And he's in a role where I think he's going to get more targets than he is now. I just think, He'd be a worse Tyler Boyd in that scenario. I know I, the Bills' right. offense. I just think is miles better than the Bengals' offense right now. Hate the Bengals, Frank. They're like yeah. one of the least well, efficient I mean, offenses in football outside of Jamar Chase. That's how I, they score. I understand. I understand what Frank said. So Frank, correct me if I'm wrong. Your kind of point is with your point in envisioning that, and also just kind of I know you're high on like the Bills' offense and Josh Allen. Did being such like a really high scoring offense one of like the top three, top five passing attacks in the NFL. We've seen some of those like top three scoring offices and top three passing attacks be able to support three receivers. So I think that's kind of what uh, Frank is alluding to with that. Um, like we've seen like the Cowboys, the Bucks. Um, hell, we well, yeah, dude, the Bills passing offense is insane. Yeah. They, they no, support three the receivers right now. They support three receivers and a tight end right now. Yeah, but they don't support three studs. They don't support three. Like, you have one good guy. Cole Beasley's a stud, first off. <laughs> you have one good guy. In, yeah, but that's the thing. I'm not Stephon buying Gabe Davis two... to be a stud. I'm buying no, him to but be what a I'm saying player. Is, what I'm saying is, first off, we have Gabe Davis is stuck behind these two guys in that's... Emmanuel Sanders and uh, uh, Cole Beasley. If you put him behind the likes of a Traylon Burks, David Bell, George Pickens. If you put Gabe Davis behind Stephon Diggs and one of those guys, I just don't see him getting the targets necessary to be worth a flex play. Yeah, but the thing is, is that this is where the cheap targets come in. This team passes the ball like top three most in the NFL. They, they, generally. They, I, I looked at the stats right before. I think Josh Allen has like 20 more attempts than Joe Burrow. Okay, look at his numbers. Look at the passing yards. Look at the touchdowns. Touchdowns are a huge factor. Look at the fact that the Bills actually support a bunch of receivers. 
Gosh, I don't. Uh, I think, passing touchdowns. But then he just becomes basically what Michael Gallup is right now. A what if Joe player has if he 20 leaves. passing touchdowns. He just becomes a guy that that you're like, yeah, he's a very talented receiver. We know he's a talented receiver. The opportunity's not there. He'll be a free agent in two years. Like he gets, he's just one of these guys that is like a big what if. Look, I'm I'm fine with like getting him at, at super cheap value, but like. I just don't. I don't think it's right to assume that he's going to then break into it the team if they draft another big receiver. Like I just think. No, just that's, that's the perfect buying opportunity. Yeah, that's where you lose me. I just like were people last year saying, "Oh, this is, like Tyler Boyd at least showed us something," but were people last year saying like this is now the perfect buying opportunity to buy Tyler Boyd? No. Because the Bengals offense, dude, you can put up Josh Allen. Look at this. Points per game. Number two behind Brady. Look at the two offenses okay, but, that support how much three that plus from, receivers. They're the using, two offenses that support three you're using plus receivers. Point, you're using that, points per game. How many rushing touchdowns does he have? Dude, look at the two look at the offenses that support three receivers. It's those two motherfuckers. That's the see, if there's anyone that's gonna do it. Josh Allen's done it like two years in a row now. Listen, y'all can keep hating. I think the thing is, the thing again is Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley. I did it this year. I'm eating for pennies. I picked him up for nothing and I'm getting flex plays. And I'm going to do it with Gabe Davis too when they draft one of these studs in the first round and he's going to be nothing. He's going to be going 17th, 18th round of a startup and I'm going to get a flex play out of it and I'm going to have a damn good time doing it. I can't believe you're making me do this, Frank. I can't. I can't believe you're making me do this. T. Higgins is is wide receiver thirty five. Chase is wide receiver five on a points per game basis, and then Tyler Boyd drops off somewhere fifty three. You then have Stephon Diggs as wide receiver. Um, sorry, I just have as wide receiver twenty three. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders thirty one. Cole Beasley at. I'm still looking for Cole Beasley. I think I passed by him. He he's he's also low. Is my take is my thing. Where is Cole Beasley? I can't find I, Cole Beasley. I don't necessarily my, disagree with Frank because Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders are flex plays every week. I understand. Cole Beasley's forty two. Cole Beasley's so Cole Beasley is the only guy higher than Tyler Boyd. And that is by a grand total of I'm so confused. Wait, isn't Tyler Boyd fifty five, you said? 50, 53. Yeah, Cole Beasley is the only one that. Oh, okay. Hold on. Sorry. Well, I'm saying is and Chase, Chase high. is higher. Chase is higher than Stephon Diggs. Yeah, but the price, JT. T. Higgins. The price. You have to pay nine first for Stephon Diggs. You have to pay two first for T. Higgins. Yeah. Okay, but this is where I'm getting I with Tyler Boyd. This is where I'm getting with Tyler Boyd. Eighth round pick for Cole Beasley in a startup. Sure. That's the difference. I'm not no, looking, no. like I said, I'm not looking for a wide receiver two. I'm not looking for a wide receiver one. I'm looking for the cheapest flex play I can find. And I'm saying Gabriel Davis will not be a flex play is where I'm getting at. If you if you think in your grand scenario, and, and I mean, it's going to be a run around debate. We can move on after this. But if you think in your grand scenario that the Bills draft a wide receiver in the first two rounds and then then is the time to buy Gabe Davis, I'm saying the Bills are not going to support those three wide receivers because the two wide receivers are going to be the alphas in the offense and they'll be the top two guys. Josh Allen 
is kind of forced to throw the ball to all these different guys because he doesn't have the the studs that the likes of Joe Burrow does in in Jamar Chase and T Higgins. So so Gabe Davis is just not going to get that kind of production. I, I just I don't know how to explain it clearly, but. But is because, that not going to be priced in? Sure, it'll be priced in. But again, he's not going to be a flex. He's he's just not. There there could be other guys. Yeah, that but you'll be able to get him. What Frank's saying is you'll be able to get him for absolutely nothing at that. Point. Which deservedly he should be absolutely like if he's not worthy of a flex play, then why are you getting him? What's the purpose of getting a wide receiver who's not going to be a flex play? That goes back to my point of where he's similar to Michael Gallup, where it's just like, what if? What if he leaves? But Michael Gallup can be a flex play currently. When he's healthy, Michael Gallup is a flex play. Gabriel Davis will not be a flex play if that scenario happens, at least in my mind. I don't know. It's just going to be a I actually get both of your cases. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a run I mean, it's thing. a risk. Like, it's, it's all speculation. I, 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 I get it. You're, paying, you're paying nothing for Gabriel Davis at that point. It's just, I, I don't know where you're getting that he then becomes a flex play because they drafted a top receiver. No, I'm saying that is the perfect scenario for his yes. value to go to nothing. And I'm not... My whole thing, I'm not looking for Gabriel Davis to be the wide receiver two on the Bills. I want him to yeah, be the I third receiver. That's that, what yeah, I want. That's, that's where you lose me. I mean, I because don't know if, if anyone's still interested. This strategy has cool, worked but... <laughs> for me for like the past bunch of years. With, with Cole who? Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders have been great players for me. They've had like, okay, but, one or two dud weeks. Outside of that, they have been great players. But Cole when Beasley did the Bills draft seasons, someone... When did the Bills draft someone in the first three rounds for 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 wide receivers? They traded a first round pick for Stephon Diggs. Yeah, exactly. And then, but you still have those two guys giving you those those flex plays. Then they would have two guys worthy of first round picks. That's what I'm trying to get. If you have two top guys on your offense, it then becomes we have the Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson thing. We have two top guys on an offense. It gets a lot harder for the guys below to start. Yeah, but you're well. bringing in an offense that is completely different. I that's why I want a, these players on a team that throws the ball a shit ton, or whether they do or don't, they produce. Josh Allen has supported three receivers before. But then Tom Brady is supporting three receivers. I'm not using. I'm not buying the third receiver on the Vikings because they're a wide zone team that's yeah, running 22 person or 21 I, I mean, person. I mean, to to be fair though, then you're banking on a lot of other factors. Like Brian Dable doesn't end up getting a coaching job somewhere else. The, the Bills Bengals. don't end up. Go, the Bills don't end up getting another running back. The yada yada yada. Okay, yeah, I will buy that for nothing. I don't care if I'm getting. Again, yes, nothing. that's yeah. Run around in circles to the end of the segment or the end of the section. Well, you're comparing but, them to Tyler Boyd. You're Tyler Boyd. You have to pay actual draft capital for. Once again, a wide zone coach who's running a ton of twenty-one personnel. Again, let's just, uh, let's yeah, just move yeah. on. This you're, you're missing. You're, you're missing. Road. You're missing my point. I think I I see your point. I just don't. I see why you're paying nothing for him, and that's the whatever. It's not worth. Just keeping Curtis Samuel. Someone, someone break down Samuel. Curtis Samuel. My guy. Um, so I don't know if you guys remember. Obviously, so when he was healthy, he wasn't at Sutton's level. But I feel this happens too often in the dynasty community where if someone's injured for a majority of the season, where it's not an injury where I think it's going to affect them long term, their value just plummets. Um, and now at wide receiver, what, 58? Uh, he's right next to someone like Van Jefferson. Um, I own both of them. 
I valued Curtis Samuel significantly higher than Van Jefferson. Um, Curtis Samuel was wide receiver 24 the last season. He played before this year healthy with two other productive wide receivers on his team. Uh, I know this is going to be Cardinal sin on this podcast, but I think he's more talented than Diami Brown, even though I still really like Diami Brown. Um, they, he's still only 25 years old. <laughs> yeah, I know. I committed Cardinal. Would you sin. like to reach around and grab the knife that you just stabbed in my back? <laughs> just free, just grab it. I, I, I got I you later. Um, but no, I mean, listen, they they paid him the money they did this offseason for a reason. Like it's it's not it's not like they're like they just had him on their team. They drafted him. He's been there for a couple of years. They gave him a big contract to use him. And he just hasn't been able to be healthy this entire year. But it's not something I'm going to worry. Again, this is for next season. He's been healthy throughout the first four seasons of his career for the majority. Um, it's just been a nagging injury this season. So I expect him to be fine by the start of next year and the number two in that offense. Uh, I think he's going to be someone they try to get a lot of those touches, a lot of those short passes that we see McKissick get. I think they want to try to use Curtis Samuel in those. Um, I'm sure Ron Rivera and that GM and that OC, when they signed him to that big contract, they had a specific idea for how they wanted to use him in that offense, getting him a lot of touches different ways. And I think their quarterback situation will be upgraded next year. I don't know who it's going to be, um, but I do think their passing attack will be stronger next year. He won't have to focus. He's going to have a strong number one aside from him. And just the price he's going for, like, I can tell you, I mean, Jake, you shook your head when I said that. I didn't know if that was disagreeing. Do you value Van Jefferson close to Curtis Samuel? Because for me, I own both of them. It wasn't really close between them for me. To be honest, I don't want either of them. So that's about it. I just think this is another scenario like like Nico Collins and Dimey Brown, like Curtis Samuel, wide receiver 58. And keep trade cut, he's going to look great. But the people that have Curtis Samuel see what he's done before. So I, I just don't think you're going to get him at a wide receiver 58 price. I think, well, it depends. what I, If I can get Curtis Samuel for what? What's he going for in that draft pick-wise? You have to give up a second for him, I imagine. I'd give at up minimum. a later half second for Curtis Samuel. Yeah, um, but you have Curtis Samuel. If I offered you a, a playoff-level second, are you taking that? Well, for me, I'm higher on him. I'm set, Well, I guess it is the owner a lot higher on him. I I'm just asking a you a question, bro. It's, it's oh. just you. Like, would you take a late second for Curtis Samuel I would, right now? I, it would probably take a mid-second. Right. So you're not going to – I feel like you're just not going to come to a deal on that one. Well, well there's was the question. You have to give a mid-second for him. I don't ex- – I consider myself higher on him than the majority of people. And if every Curtis Samuel owner is like that, sure, but I can't imagine. And I think where you're going to see a big bargain on him is a lot of startup drafts. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, in a similar way to when Sutton was getting completely underdrafted in startup drafts uh, after being injured for a season. But I just I, the evaluation that we've seen, we're basing it off keep trade cut for all the other receivers. So I'm keeping it consistent with this. Um, I, I think he's going to have a good season next year. I mean, the season before in a Teddy Bridgewater offense with two other talented receivers, he was a low-end wide receiver, I guess right between the border of wide receiver two and the very top of wide receiver three. Um, and now he's, he's the number two in this offense that I think is going to be a lot better next season. So that's my case for Curtis Samuel. I think he's kind of in a similar thing with, uh, similar to for me as like a Gallup, who I shouldn't have said that because we're going to get into him soon. Actually, right after. That's actually a very good transition on my end, incidentally. Right. Michael Gallup. Um, <laughs> uh, Michael Gallup's another guy. Uh, I'm speeding through these. Listen, I know, I know you'll hide your little 20-minute debate on Tyler Boyd <laughs> and Gabriel Davis. Um, so Michael Gallup, I think it's someone, Jake has also talked about how, uh, how he agrees with this. 
Gallup, someone where it's like a lot of these guys were kind of like predicting how they're going to be if in like certain situations. Gallup, someone we've seen have an 1100 yard season in the second year. We've seen every time like uh, he's getting the chance to get targets, he's productive with them. He's an extremely talented receiver. Um, and being the number three in Dallas and stuff, because Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamer are two of the best receivers in football, but he will be a free agent. Um, does Dallas give him a big wide receiver contract? Nope. Eh. I don't think so, um, especially if they're keeping Cooper on the books and how much they have Zeke on the books for and uh, Dak's contract. Um, I think Gallup is going to be somewhere where um, he's going to have a chance to be a number two receiver next year. I think he's a good number two receiver in the NFL. I think what you said with Curtis Samuel, that's what I'm more worried about with Gallup more so than Curtis Samuel. I feel like the consensus on Gallup is a lot higher uh, where it's like, it may be tougher to get him depending on the owner. Uh, if the owner is thinking the same way where it's like, oh, the second roster. he goes to route, will be roster manager. Um, the second he goes somewhere else, he's going to go back to being a 1,000 yards. But I'm, I'm of the belief where I think there's a decent chance of that happening. See, I was like that. because, And then I, th- I sat back and I thought about it, right? I believe Michael Gallup will be 27 heading into next season. So that is the prime age for a wide receiver where he's expected to be producing pretty much at the highest peak of his career. And he just has so many what-ifs in my book here where I might be cashing out on on the what-ifs, on the people saying like, oh, he's going to leave and he's going to be good. Well, we've seen him be good, but that was a perfect scenario for Michael Gallup. He had... An elite wide receiver one and Amari Cooper on the other side drawing attention away from him. He had the absolute elite running back in Zeke at the time tearing up, tearing up the uh, the backfield behind him. And Dak was a super productive quarterback. That is a perfect scenario for a talented receiver to step in and fill a number two. Now, if he leaves here and goes to a like a non-ideal situation, like. Yes, the the opportunity is now there, but again, it's a lot of what ifs. It's you see what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I yeah, but is that not priced into his current wide receiver forty one? And I think that you know we're we're speaking of keep trade cut. Like I think that he's pretty in in terms of consensus. I feel like Gallup and Curtis Samuel are pretty damn freaking close. If you were to actually try to trade for the two of them, I, I really don't think there's a a major tangible difference between the two of them. So like mid second gets it done for Gallup. Well, I think, yeah, it's a decent kind of amount of point time. in terms of, I think Gallup entering this off season is kind of in a scenario where Curtis Samuel was last off season. It's just now Samuel's been hurt for the year. Um, so I, I'm I mean, on and off with Gallup. I, I can understand buying him, Like, especially because for me draft, like, yeah, you could probably pick say? him up for a mid second in, in your rookie draft. Yeah, at that price, I like. I guess for me, it ultimately comes down to I just really believe in the talent. I just think he's an extremely talented receiver, and a lot of the when it comes down to it in fantasy, it's just me value uh, valuing talent in different situations. I don't care where it is, um, and I, I just think if he gets more of an opportunity, he's going to put up. I think he's a thousand yard receiver. He put up a thousand yards. He yeah, did. he did his second year mm-hmm. in Dallas before they drafted CD Lamb. Yeah, like dude, it feels like he's the next. Um, which McCalla, Mike Williams, just with kinda, lower draft capital. He could be. <laughs> I, I lean towards Jake's side, but Jake, why don't you hit 
us with your uh, your two next guys. My my next guy is Mitchell Trubisky, Maserati Mitch. Uh, listeners of the pod know I've been a big Mitch guy since he's been drafted. I think he's kind of was done wrong by the Bears here, not really given any help at all. Um, and now he's obviously the backup in, in, in Buffalo here. He gets, I think, which is a huge career step for him. I think he realized he needed to improve, and I think he went to a situation that could absolutely do that, uh, absolutely do that for him. He, he gets to sit back, watch an elite quarterback in Josh Allen, learn from an absolute elite offensive coordinator in Brian Dable. Um, and I think there's – we've talked about it on the pod many times. The quarterback landscape moving forward is very iffy um, with the amount of new quarterbacks we could be seeing um, in the next year and even the year after that. So I just think he's a guy that might get the opportunity here to to be a bridge quarterback or even – you know, I, the ideal situation has become a Ryan Tannehill situation where he is a backup quarterback or a bridge quarterback and wins the job outright. Now, that, I understand that's not very likely, but at quarterback 42 or whatever he's valued at on, on keep trade cut, you probably only have to give up a fourth round pick, maybe a, a third and get a fourth back kind of thing. Uh, and for a guy that I think is talented, we've seen him put up big games before. I just think it's not a bad buy. I've tried to get Mitch in in leagues for cheap. It's just, it's tough to do apparently, or the people that have him like him. I think I think it's gonna take slightly more than you said. I don't think it's gonna take a second rounder, but I could see something like two thirds, uh, and no one are asking for two thirds, dude. I don't, don't want to give up two thirds. I, I want to give up like a have... fourth. Like I said, I think if you may have to give up a one third, and you probably can get a fourth back. I, I just don't think any. I think a lot of people soured on Mitch at the end of the Chicago, his, his Chicago tenure, and you probably, and especially not being a starting quarterback this year, you could probably get him for pretty cheap. Uh, Obviously, if you sit back and wait and see what happens, and he does end up being a bridge quarterback and projected starter for the beginning of the season, even if there's a rookie behind him his price is going to go up because we, as we've said yeah. any starting quarterback in the super flex league is worth something so i think getting him now while people expect almost nothing for him i think you can get him at a fair price i agree with that if you are going to buy mitch now's the time i just think he honestly like i don't know if this is a hot or cold take or just a take but i i just see him not getting enough interest from teams to be the starting quarterback and the Bills just make it worthwhile for him to be like that high priority backup quarterback. Um, that's possible. And, and yeah, that's I just, a I think, take. yeah, I just think that's going to be his case. And I think he's just going to be stuck behind Josh Allen for however many years. Then uh, you're just kind of waiting for, not hoping that Josh Allen gets injured, but like that's kind of the only way he's relevant at that point. Or if he just magically starts sucking, which I don't really see happening. So. I I I could see again, similar to the Gabriel Davis. Like if you're giving up not a whole lot to me, giving up a, a, a late third if that's what does it is not really giving up a whole lot. Um, especially when you give up, people are considering giving up late thirds for other quarterbacks that are only starting like three or four weeks. Um, I don't hate it. I just think it might be better off spending it elsewhere. I don't know. I, it's not something that I'm actively trying to do, but if I saw that go down in leagues, I wouldn't judge the person for doing it. 
That's where I'm Yeah. Um, Ranch, who's your other my guy? Next, my next buy is Josh Palmer. I think he's currently receiver 79 on uh, Keep Trade Cut. Uh, obviously, the emergence of Mike Williams has kind of put a damper on his rookie season. Obviously, he's clearly behind uh, him and Keenan Allen. Uh, he's also looks like he's behind Jalen Guyton at the moment in this Chargers offense. Uh, but he's been starting to play a little more. And snaps have increased the past three weeks a little bit. I think last week he was up to about 30% of the snap, offensive snaps. Uh, the big thing with him is that I, I really liked him coming out. He's a big physical wide receiver. You saw that with his touchdown, uh, I believe it was not this week, last week, um, where he just pretty much lost the guy and went over him and caught a touchdown in the end zone. But he's a guy that I just think can really grow into this role being tied to obviously Justin Herbert here in this offense. Uh, Mike Williams pending free agent. If he leaves, there's going to be some – some tar a lot of targets vacated, and I think Josh Palmer could easily step into that role. Obviously, I tread lightly when like projecting where people go, but I, I liked Josh Palmer as, uh, as a prospect. I don't think he's done anything to prove that he's not worth where he went in the draft, which was a third round pick in the NFL draft and likely a third round pick in the uh, rookie draft. So I, I think for receiver 79 you could, and get him for a mid to late third round pick, I don't think it's a bad buy. Um, and I, I'm, I just was never really high on Josh Palmer. Um, Tinder girl JT wasn't big on the physical, big, fast wide receiver. Yeah, that's shocking. They, well, I mean, Tinder girl JT looks like college production too. He didn't really. Do I'm just wondering college. what happens if, because I, I, I'm leaning more on the side that I think that Mike Williams gets re-signed. To be honest, probably after his Mike. season this year, it, that's what it's looking like. But I think Justin that's going to be such a big factor in Josh Palmer's value this offseason. I mean, what similar to, even Williams? if he doesn't, I think similar to what JC or Frank was saying about the Bills support in three receivers, I think it's possible that this Chargers receiver, this Chargers offense could. Yeah, but is Eckler there? And look, dude, they run too Eckler. many tight ends, dude. They run like nine tight ends. But who caught the touchdown? I, I, do, th I do think it's interesting that tight. it was Parham. No, no, there's yeah. a different one. Wasn't there like a dude? I mean, this team actually plays Parham. nine tight ends. I mean, I, I know Parham. I thought it was a different tight end scored, but yeah, Frank's right. Lots of tight ends. They're too many tight ends. You're not supporting three receivers with a receiving back and all those damn tight ends. That's why I say it's it's Michael Williams thing is going to be. I do think it's interesting that kind Stephen of Stephen Anderson. Uh, I don't even know who that is. I do think yeah, it's see? interesting <laughs> that Palmer. If Mike Williams does leave, Palmer is kind of a big one of those like bigger like receivers kind of similar to mike williams um and that's going to be scenario where you're really going to see his value rise okay wait so i have a question if as like this is this is kind of on the other end uh like if you owned him rather than just like buying if you own josh palmer say say mike williams signed somewhere else in free agency this is before the real nfl draft still and you're getting offers for josh palmer for like a late second yeah. So this is yeah, Mike Williams is gone, but it's before the draft. They didn't sign any other receivers. Are you taking the late second, or I should say early third, uh, somewhere there? Let's just say you get like two twelve. <laughs> yeah. Moving goalpost, Lunas. We all said yeah, yeah on the <laughs> late second. No, because <laughs> yeah, it's like really third. late second. Like, like. You know I, let's, I mean. Can like, we just do an actual scenario? How about right now? Okay. Um, the big factor, like I think Josh Palmer for a third is a very reasonable get. 
I think if you offer yeah. a third for Josh Palmer, a lot of people accept it. The big factor for me, though, is is he on my taxi squad? Because, I mean, if I have him on my taxi squad, then a third-round pick I'm actually thinking about. If he's not on my taxi squad, then I'm taking a third. Like, I, Yeah, I'll take the third. I'd much rather have the third. Yeah, I agree with Frank there. But like him being on the taxi squad has value because of the upside. I I do agree there's more value, but I'll take Josh Palmer over the random third. I like Josh Palmer. Yeah, but you have to remember that Josh Palmer was the random third at one point. I know, but I was high on him. Quite literally, he ran third. (laughs) I like he he was the random third. I like. So you just get a re-roll on on whatever the the hit rates in the third round more than the other. I just I don't know what we like so much about. Josh Palmer. I didn't think the Tennessee like, passing attack was that good uh, when he was there. Well, that was I that think. was the, I, the mm-hmm. that was the point was everyone was projecting him as a better pro than college player because that Tennessee offense did not pass. It wasn't good. I think if he was yeah. on a different offense, he would have had the production you're looking for, JT. Uh you could use that about a lot of. You could. See, this no, is that's funny though could. because Gabriel. Is Gabriel Davis really higher in price than Josh Palmer? I mean, they're they're ten spots apart. I have to imagine they're probably pretty those, much those the same ten spots price. aren't a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. From like Fugazi. even even Terrace Marshall, who I'm about to jump into right now at wide receiver forty two. The difference between him and um, looking like Curtis Samuel, wide receiver fifty eight. There's not a whole lot separating those sixteen spots. Like, you know, it's just like a, a pick swap here or there that that probably gets it done. So, I don't know. Keep trade cuts weird, but that is hard to tell. Uh, once you once you get out of the top, dude. Terrace Marshall's so. value is so weird. I know you're about to get into him, but to me, like he's either valued like a top thirty receiver to people, or like he's bottom seventy. You know, like <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Let's just kick it off with Curtis Samuel. I mean, sorry, not Curtis Samuel. Terrace Marshall. So Terrace Marshall has not done a whole lot yet. I mean, not a lot of the Panthers' offense has. Can you blame them? We've seen Sam Darnold. Um, Terrace Marshall so far only has, I pulled it up, 23 targets for 14 receptions and 116 yards. What I think we're about to see, though, is we're about to see an emergence, and that is because Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson is one of the most inefficient receivers this year. Robbie Anderson on the year has 53 targets. You know how many catches he has, guys? 19. 19 catches on 53 targets for 206 yards. You just said it. He plays with Sam Darnold. Half of those balls are probably I was going to say, I was like, I wonder how many of those aren't Darnold. That's – I just – it's hard to excuse. I I would like to see the uncatchable rate. Uh, He wasn't up there. They, they, they're putting those stats up with OBJ and Baker. I didn't see Robbie Anderson up there. I don't know where he would fall on, on that. But, I mean, Terrace Marshall he has nearly as many catches as only, I mean, is only 84 yards off. Um, but in, in a third of the amount of targets. Um, I think the reason that we haven't seen him yet is kind of a reason that Frank pointed towards um, when he was watching the film on Terrace Marshall where the LSU wide receivers, they weren't really told to to block a whole lot. They don't really, they never really gave it their all, like on on plays. And we've seen Matt Rule say it. I was listening to a press conference from Matt Rule when he was actually talking about DJ Moore 
DJ Moore had a, a block, like a great block, like 20 yards downfield. Um, I think it either, it either led to an extremely long play or even in touchdown. But he was like, yeah, and then you see a play later and Tyrus Marshall just uh, – he doesn't get to that block and, and kind of, you know, screws us over there. But that's what a rookie – you know, that's what you expect from a rookie. He'll get better. He'll get on top of that. I think we're just looking for that experience and that NFL kind of mentality that Tyrus Marshall needs and, and him to adapt more to the NFL. And the opportunity is there. Like, Robbie Anderson clearly has not done a whole lot in this offense. If Terrace Marshall can slot into that number two wide receiver role, I don't care who, like what's going on at the quarterback position. I think he can be productive. I've been a Terrace Marshall believer for a while. I still think if you have him, you hold him. If you don't have him, you go out and you buy him. He's really not worth a whole lot on keep trade cut, especially considering what was going on in, in the preseason and the hypes that he was getting to then. Uh, a 2022 mid-second is worth less than uh, Terrace Marshall, but I think – if you have panicking on keep trade cut, that is. But I think if you have a panicking owner uh, or roster who you know, hasn't seen much from Terrace Marshall, um, a twenty twenty two mid second could almost certainly get it done. That would definitely get it done with most. I feel. You know what's weird about Carolina is that all of their receivers have kind of been having it down here. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's um, what happens. I wonder, I wonder. I wonder what's the common factor. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on here, here, because I'm looking at something real quick. I think another one of the the factors. No, I think that's just horseshit. I think that they ran the same personnel, generally speaking. No, they have. It's it's um, just been. I'm trying to uh, do some math on the fly. This is Sam, tough. Sam Donald since week four has oh, you can make a case he's been the worst quarterback in football. When I was trying to when we were having our little Gabe Davis, uh whoever else Tyler Boyd debate, I was trying to do math there. I was that was not easy. Yeah, I'm like I'm trying to add up all these personnel grouping numbers because like three receiver and four receiver is both like beneficial to receivers. The problem is their starting quarterback since week four has two passing touchdowns and nine interceptions. There's your problem. Is it really that Listen. bad? Yes. I, I knew it was bad. I didn't realize it was that bad. Dude, yes. <laughs> I, the, the thing so is, like, I agree with you. PJ. It's definitely hindering it, but are we really That's placing bad. all of the Panthers receiver struggle on Darnold? Is, is that fair? Yes. Is that accurate yeah. scenario? Yes. Yeah. He's played, like, the worst <laughs> QB in football since week four. Look at the numbers. Yeah, yeah but the, the numbers are the numbers are the numbers. Like, what about, what about the offensive line? What about the receivers themselves? He's got, like, he's got weapons around him. I, I said, I'm, not, can, I'm not saying that Sam Donald isn't game. at fault. I'm just posing, playing devil's advocate I'm, to a certain extent. I, I like so when PJ Walker comes out this week and throws for 250 yards and all the receivers have a nice day, what are we going to say? We're going to say it's Sam Donald's so. fault. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, we'll I'm see. Gonna say we're, literally, we're going to put that to the test this week. Yeah, I guess I the thing it. is for Terrace Marshall is you really do need him to, to like, I don't want to say overtake, but he's got he's got to start fighting more against Robbie Anderson. I I mean it's there for the taking, definitely, because Robbie Anderson hasn't shown us anything this year. So I'll, I will agree with you there because I'm not a huge Terrace Marshall guy, but if you think that Robbie Anderson snaps and and his targets are going to go down, I mean what it's Terrace Marshall's got to be the guy. Shy Smith yeah, is a, is like such a dart throw. I doubt that happens. Any relevant consistency. And just looking at it, like the Panthers, 
man, it's it's crazy that they supported three really good receivers. Not, I guess, not really good, but it's crazy they supported three receivers last year. Weren't they three all in the top twenty-four? How how much uh, of Curtis Samuel's so. production was rushing? Was it like enough to like actually impact it? Uh, somewhat know. of an impact, but um. Let me well, look see. At the, look at the drop off though. You went from three top twenty four receivers to now you have one. So Samuel Samuel's wide receiver twenty four. He had two hundred rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. That was the extent of his. Yeah, I get, it definitely perk. Like without that, he's he's not. He's probably a flex yeah. receiver instead of a yeah. low end two. So I I mean I guess without that rushing upside of um I guess it'd be more like a rushing floor if you're using our our quarterback version of it like you can see why that the offense would be more projected to have only two relevant receivers right now they only have one as we've all seen but yeah it's not good we'll see what happens with phil walker not good and no bueno all right but a little longer episode um Wait, JT, real quick, real quick. You said yes. you, I, I think you wanted to put say something about the keep trade cut rankings. If you want to, dude, like, oh not? no, I I just put it up there because I thought it was funny. Where Lunas was like, "Yeah, I think you'll have a high, harder time getting uh, Gallup than Curtis Samuel," and I was like, "Just look at the keep trade cut rankings. It has Gallup as a higher receiver than Curtis Samuel." But no, no, I just I just meant in terms of like an owner being higher on the receiver than the yeah. ranking. I think that okay. happens more with Gallup. <laughs> there's some. In- I do want to speak on it really quickly, like for a minute, because like there's some really interesting jumps. Because to me, the gap between Nico Collins, Diamond Brown, and then the receivers like Gabe Davis, who's four spots down, and then Josh Palmer, who's a good 14 spots. So I guess it makes sense. Is like pretty freaking massive. Maybe it's because the rookies and they'll just generally have more apologists, but they always will. Yeah, that's I, the reason. I also think the the reactionary stuff on keep trade cut is, is out of. It's hand. crazy week to week. We we, if you look right now at their top five players, Patrick Mahomes is three. Jonathan Taylor is two. I mean, I I love Jonathan Taylor, but it's Patrick Mahomes. Like, you're telling me that. You're getting in a one-for-one deal in a super flex league. It's it's Patrick Mahomes or Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor once again was a bust at the beginning of the year. Yeah, Trent Richardson. <laughs> That's just his whole thing. Just fade fade Jonathan Taylor in the beginning of the season, then yeah. buy them all up buy after him. like week four. <laughs> I, I I I just don't know. He, he goes off against the Jets, and don't get me wrong, he's my my RB one. I think, but. It's Patrick Mahomes. Now, again, yeah. Patrick Mahomes hasn't had – it is kind of the perfect storm of Patrick Mahomes not having good games and Jonathan Taylor having great games. But we're talking a super flex league trading the, you know, potential – Super flex league, there's, there's three or four quarterbacks ahead of Jonathan Taylor. I love yeah. Jonathan Taylor. Three or four. I mean, I probably have it at a good six, but that's just me. Oh, minimum, my man. I mean, if I'm going through the list, it might get up to there. But off the top of my head, I was just Mahomes, Allen, Kyler. I mean, that's just what we we were just looking at the top five players. You could do that for an entire reaction or anything. Now we can end the episode. All right. Season two, episode 14 in the books. Thanks, everyone.